No, it's great to be in the carnage house. I love a bit of carnage. Boys and girls, welcome back. It's your favourite host and you're watching your favourite show. It's the Carnage House podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Today we got uh, Emily Dye as uh, as the first guest and, and the most important guest in a series of interviews we're about to do. Uh, her main role is the policy director of the Australian Taxpayers Alliance, a neat little outfit she'll tell us about, but thanks very much for coming on. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. It's good to be here tonight. Well, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Um, now, we got a bunch of new segments, which I'm going to try my best to remember. We got the fan favourite, Beta Mail of the Week. That's going to be back, and that's going to be on Patreon. So if you want to watch that, go join us on Patreon. Emily's going to decide who is the biggest Beta Mail of the Week. I'm also introducing our new sponsor, uh, Penthouse, and we're going to do the segment Penthouse Alpha Mail of the Week, and we're going to do a free magazine giveaway. So stay tuned to watch uh, how you can win your free copy of Penthouse magazine. It's literally going to be so easy. Um, and we got some fan Q and A's and a general interview with Emily to find out how she got so powerful and what she's doing in the Taxpayers Alliance. So Emily, firstly, I wanted to ask you, um, you've produced a beautiful report, the cost of tax, which we'll get into in a second. But before we get into to tax, which is to some people, the most boring thing ever, but to some people who have the political mental illness, uh, quite interesting. <laughs> Um, who are you? Where'd you come from? On your LinkedIn, it said you used to be a firefighter. Um, what are you doing in Australia? You're from America. Yes, I'm from Washington State, and my first job was as a wildland firefighter. Um, mm -hmm. It was a good way to make money right out of high school. And really? I, I've got a bit of a fire bug, uh, definitely slight pyro, and mm -hmm. really the only difference in America between firefighters and pyromaniacs is firefighters get paid. Right. Um, I know that's not the case in Australia. <laughs> that's pretty funny. But we pay ours and then we go and we light fires to fight fires and it's good fun. Well, is it good? Because I got a buddy of mine who's in the uh, rural fire service and he has a lot of complaints about how that's managed and how, how do you find it in America? Like when you do your, your burns and stuff, is it is it fun to be a part of? Oh, it's great fun. But I think there are definitely ways I would change things, particularly around the pay structure. Mm. Um, you don't get paid um, hazard pay to do prescribed burns, which doesn't make sense to me. There's fire involved, um, and prescribed burns keep the forest from burning down later. Mm. So it's like the basic mm. maintenance stuff isn't done, and you don't mm. get paid the extra to do the basic maintenance. So mm. when the time comes, the fires are a lot worse. Yeah. Can you drive a fire truck? Yeah. Well, we had like these little... Um, they were like pickups with big water tanks on them, essentially. Yeah, they like a like big American pickup truck with a big hose on it. Pretty much. <laughs> That'd be pretty fun. And how did you get into um, politics? Like, you were you had a job at, at the Republican Party as well, an internship at the Cato Institute, which I respect a lot. I like those guys. Um, what what made you get get into this? Uh, I was kind of forced upon me as like an infant. Yeah, well, <laughs> we know that feeling. Yeah, I didn't have much choice in the matter. Uh, I was very much the politician kissed baby. Um, there's yeah. a cute picture of me at five holding George Bush's hand and really? waving and really? being cute because my parents were very involved and mm. they shamelessly used us for their political ends. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I know that feeling too. And it stuck. <laughs> and so I just kept on with it. Yeah, well, it's a pretty thankless and low-paying job, and uh, well, that's what my guess is, at least for most political people. Um, so, how'd you end up at the at the Taxpayers Alliance, and what's what's that job like for you? 
That's also a great random story um, that starts with a few too many vodkas. Good. <laughs> um, well, we got some gin on the show. This is some free gin we got from work, so I'm going to load mine up again, but please continue. Yeah, so I met Tim Andrews at a Cato networking event. At the time, I was an intern at the Cato Institute. And he's the founder, right? Tim. Yeah, he's the founder of the ATA. So mm. met him, and he was like, you should come to this conference in Australia. It's the mm. best thing since sliced bread. You have to go to the Freedman Conference. And I was like, mm. that's nice, drunk Australian. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And went home and was didn't think about it again. And then he started hammering me on Facebook and was like, hi, you should come to this conference. I was like, mm. you're crazy. I can't fly across the world to go to this conference. Right mm. now I'm looking for a job. I'm trying to, like, figure out my career. He asked me where I was applying. I was applying for Americans for tax reform. And he's like, well, I run Australians for tax reform, essentially. Mm. And he's like, he's like, I'll give you a recommendation if you come to this conference. And I was like, if you get me a job, I will come to your conference. And he's like, okay, send me your resume. So sent him over my resume. And he's like, cool, we'll hire you. Mm. <laughs> I was like, okay, give me 24 hours to think about it. Mm. Called him back about 12 hours later. I was like, yep, I'll do this. I will move to Australia, even though I don't know anyone. Mm. and be a total psycho and it but worked out <laughs> you like it a good decision it's a good decision i mm. wouldn't recommend it for everyone for sure mm. um mm. yeah flying across the world not knowing anyone is definitely not mm. the safest of life plans but it worked out well for me i well, that's good we, we we appreciate people taking risks and follow their dreams i guess that's kind of what the uh libertarian philosophy is at heart Exactly. Look at that. That's one for grandma out there. Um, so the libertarian movement's not, I would say, as developed in Australia as it probably is in America. Um, you know, we got we got a couple politicians who, who are in, and you're kind of involved in the LDP, but um, what is policy, policy director at the Australian Taxpayers Alliance? Now, how ideological... How ideologically driven is that, or is that just like we're trying to go step by step, remove the tax burdens, and, and what's what's your kind of role as policy director? Yeah, well, it's a little bit of both, kind of, on the ideology side. So things that are less far along, um, we try to, we're more ideological on, essentially. And mm. then things that we're closer to getting policy on, it's more practical policy type things. Mm. So I think vaping's a good example. Um, it's not tax Yeah, talk issue. to me about vaping. Yeah, yes. Um, it's one of our biggest campaigns um, is legalized vaping Australia. And it's very much in that policy sphere, that advocacy, legalize it and tax it. Don't tax it too much. It's better than cigarettes, but it's a very practical, like, mm. getting it into policy, legalizing vaping. Mm. Um, while some of our other issues are more, um, more libertarian. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, more ideological. I guess um, a good one would be industrial relations reform. Mm. That one is much more ideological. We write much more ideological type op-eds, which are like, this would be the dream. The mm. dream is a much simpler industrial relations system. Mm. Right now, we're not anywhere close to that. Um, mm. We've got way too many minimum wages. We don't have one minimum wage. We have many, and they're above $15 an hour American. Um, mm. So it's kind of fun to see the states debating about that. Yeah, well, I was one. I wanted, did want to talk to you about that, because like <coughs> the libertarian, like most Australians, I would say kind of have a fairness mentality in terms of their views on politics. They don't really have as much like a left and right divide. They have kind of a common sense, you know, fair go type of type of scenario. Um, and the minimum wage argument, I think, is quite a hard one to make in Australia to average Australian people, just in terms of their, how receptive they are to it. Um, so can you explain what, what your thoughts are on the minimum wage? Presumably you would remove it. Is that my guess? If you had your total 
ideological heaven? Yeah, my ideological heaven is get rid of the minimum wage. There's no point. Mm. Um, it's basically saying it's illegal for you to work from zero to $19.84 an hour. Mm. Like, well, what if you're only worth $18? Well, that's the only value you can provide. Right? Then too bad for you. Mm. You don't get a job. Mm. It's like, if, what if you can only provide $15 worth of benefit to the company? Well, too bad for you. You don't get a job. And mm. so it just kind of lifts that first ladder on the rung up mm. higher for many people. And I don't think a minimum wage is supposed to be a living wage. It's supposed to be that first step, mm. um, that first entry in. And then ideally, you would get like more experience, you'd grow, and you would actually move up to a living wage. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because I remember there, I, I think I was reading some piece on it. Um, and people were talking about like back in the day when you didn't have either a minimum wage or it was way lower. Like movie theaters, for example, could pay people to like young kids to like show people to their seat, for example, for like five or 10 bucks an hour. Um, or people would like fill up your gas at the service station or things like that. Um, do you like, do you think that there is like a big group of people who can't get their first job at the moment, like in Australia because of the minimum wage? I think there's to some extent there are definitely people that are priced out, um, but we've also just increased like our cost of living to match it. Mm. So it's not the real wage isn't that great um, in reality. It's mm. The price of goods is so much more expensive. Mm. I was looking it up the other day, just like a gallon of milk in the states mm. is like a quarter of the price as that in here in Australia. And it's like, why is that? It's not just GST. Right. Um, yeah. And it's just because we've got higher wages, things are inflated, um, mm. the Australian dollar is worth less in comparison to the American dollar. Mm. Um, and so it just doesn't go as far. Mm. Mm. And so the Australian Taxpayers Alliance, before we get into your tax report, is basically trying to remove tax and lower tax for the people who haven't heard of it before? Exactly, yeah. And make more efficient taxes as well. Mm. Um, yeah, because that's one of the things I found interesting about the report, which we'll get into, is the idea of having like better taxes with less deadweight loss, which is a term you would have learned in your economics degree. Yes. Um, from, from from Washington University. But before we get into that, um, let's talk about Penthouse Alpha Male of the Week. Now, whoever wins this competition gets a free book. It actually is a really nice book. I hope you can see that in the frame right there. It's got some sexy girls in there. It's got some good articles in there. We might get some of Emily's articles in there at some stage. Um, you got some nice, nice writers, like famous Australian people like uh, Warren Mundine and uh, I think Dershowitz has had articles in there. There's uh, Gideon Rosner. There's, uh, who else? David Lionhelm, one of our family favorites. Um, so the way to win your penthouse magazine is to comment below who's the penthouse alpha male of the week. Um, someone who basically gave the middle finger to the establishment, stood up for their own beliefs, um, was based. Uh, and the great thing is, is that the beta, sorry, the alpha male of the week award doesn't have to actually be a male because males uh, don't really exist anymore. There's no biological uh, basis for males. And that's gonna be the same for our beta, beta male of the week as well. So you can nominate an institution, you can nominate a person, you can nominate uh, a company. Uh, whatever you feel like is a, someone has done an alpha move, you could nominate the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. That could be a good first nomination. But if you wanna win it, drop a comment who's your nomination and why and leave your email and we'll get in touch with you and if you win we'll we'll send you that and we'll announce it on the next video that's a mouthful i need to work out how to say that quicker um but on to the next general interview segment 
taxes. I titled this on my research document, Taxes That Are Breaking Our Balls. And um, you wrote this cost of tax report, which had some crazy conclusions, like the government taking over 50% of like average people's money, um, 45%, 55%, some different figures thrown around. Can you give like the uh, overall conclusions of, of that tax report and why you did it? Yeah, I think the basic conclusion is there's a lot of sneaky taxes um, mm. that are busting our balls, essentially. Mm. Uh, it's a lot of um, taxes that were supposed to go away with GST that didn't, um, mm. that are still around. And so we've got essentially taxes on taxes. We're taxing tax, um, with like the luxury car tax, for example. And most people don't care about super expensive vehicles, but you may not have a super expensive vehicle, but then you put GST on top of that vehicle and then it passes that fr- threshold. And just because of the GST, now you have to pay tax on it. Right. And it's like this weird, and you're paying tax on the value of the GST. So you're paying a tax on a tax and these really kind of unfair systems that trap people. Um, there's insurance taxes. Again, it's a tax on a tax where you have to pay your insurance tax and you have to pay GST on the insurance tax Right. and these kinds of things. Um, but overall, I'd say it's just the the number of taxes. We've got about 125 taxes in Australia. Mm. Most of them you've never heard of. Um, most of them don't actually give much revenue to the government. Mm. Uh, it's about 10 taxes that make up for 90% of revenue. Right. So it's like the other 115 are worthless. Really. Well, I know I'm giving the government a lot of money through my parking fines. I've been, I had to get a parking fine plan because I had to give that much money to the government. Yes. And I included parking fines in this, which has caused a bit of like, anger and just, that's not a tax. I'm like, it's a serious revenue source for the government. It hits people that are at every socioeconomic status. Hmm. And it's high, like the average, tra- like I think average per person is about $165 a year. Right, um, so that's like one and a half fines. Yeah, and that isn't just people that own cars, it's closer to like 300 if you own a vehicle. Right. Because yeah. that's averaging it out between all workers. <laughs> yeah, because I, I got like a thousand bucks worth of, <laughs> over like a three month span. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And there's probably a few people that are really pushing that up. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm the, I'm one of, I've been one of the outliers. <laughs> that's been tough for me in my bank account. But um, you've, you've, you, you said that um, like for the average Victorian, because you focused on Victorian people in, in this report, I think it was like 45, it was like 55% of their gross income like yes. that that the government ends up taking and then like 45 percent of the other statistic was the other one yeah so i was trying to figure out a good way of explaining this so some taxes come out as, as a percentage of your income and then other taxes are like taken from um like say the company and so it's on top of your income mm. i think a good example is payroll tax which is paid on top of your income yeah payroll but tax you, is like the dumbest thing i've ever heard yeah exactly it's a tax on jobs but your income would be higher without the payroll tax essentially right that's just a cut to your paycheck and the same with superannuation superannuation comes directly out of your paycheck so it's like you'd have an extra 9.5 percent of your income without superannuation because mm. it's what the employer actually has to factor in yeah. to hire you yeah and i mean how crazy is it that um like, it just seems strange to me that if the government is saying to people, you know, we want to, we want you to be financially independent in your retirement and we're going to force you to put money into your super, then, then they tax it still. Like, sure, well, then they tax it still. This blows my mind. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> we're going to increase the superannuation guarantee to 12% because yeah. people don't have enough in their retirements. But if you actually just stopped taxing it, they'd have more money yeah. than if you increase the superannuation guarantee. Well, I got. I was. I was thinking about this the other day. Sometimes I just have to think about things. 
um, you know, very occasionally. <laughs> um, and I had the thought that maybe part of the deep state would be like the insurance, the, the superannuation guys who just get free money all the time from this, um, from the government people mandating super. And like, if you own like a big superannuation fund and everyone in the country is forced to pay like 10% of their income to you, like that is a fantastic business model and you do not have to do anything. Yeah. Um. And on top of that, the government is going to make sure that you don't fail because if you do, then then you're going to wipe out everybody's retirement wealth. So you not only have a stable source of income from the government, but you're also kind of failure proof because the government will bail you out. Exactly. Um, and I think that's really messed up our financial markets. Mm. Uh, I think we've got a re- the point of the financial system and the value that the financial system provides is they're kind of like the detectives mm. for like which companies are doing well, which companies are doing badly, and they kind of like sniff out what's going on and they figure out the prices and the stock market reflects the value of these companies. Mm. And because of that, that's information. They provide information. That's what they're giving to society. A lot of people see the financial sector and they're like, they're just making money off of interest. They're not providing any real value. They do provide value. But but when you have superannuation and people are forced to invest, mm. it entirely distorts that. And a lot of superannuation funds are going into the real estate market, mm. which results in inflated housing prices, which just cuts into people's bottom lines. Like mm. Housing prices in Australia are crazy. Mm. Um, now, do you know? Do you know about house prices and what is is there like a problem with it? Because I'm I'm not I'm not wealthy enough to buy my first house yet, not even close. In fact, I have negative money at this point. But if for people who do want to buy their first houses, like why is it so expensive? And like, what policies would fix that? Like maybe not having superannuation funds invest, or like, what would you do? You know about the housing market? Yeah, um, I've actually also included that in a report. Um, hmm, look at you, God bless you. <laughs> so we've got. Um, That's why we bring her on, ladies and gentlemen. She knows everything. <laughs> we've got a nice, um, a nice mess, and it feels again like double taxation and taxes mm. on taxes, because the housing prices are essentially artificially inflated by government restrictions. Mm. You've got zoning restrictions. You can't expand the city out. You can't expand the city up. And you've got like certain areas that are zoned for specific things. So you can't have a multifamily unit in like a single family unit area where you can't have businesses in certain areas. And you have to jump through all of these hurdles, all of these hoops in order to like actually build a house. Yeah, like you'd think that if you buy the land, the land should be yours, not like subject to all these terms and conditions from the government. 100%. And (laughs) it's the biggest expenditure for most councils is just approving all yeah. of these things. So, so that's a waste of our taxpayer money right there. Mm. And and there's a bit of corruption that goes in there oh, with the rezoning cor- and all that type of exactly. bullshit. Exactly. There's favoritism played. And then we end up with this situation where it's approximately 60% of the value of a home is just like caused by all of these restrictions. Really? Yeah. You reckon 60? 60%? Yeah. This is from a report A report from the CIS found, I think in inner city Sydney, it's about se- almost 70, it's 69 um, outer, like regional areas, is about 60%. Wow. Um, Melbourne, it's, I think, 20 and 60. I'm trying to remember exactly. I'd have to look it up exactly to get mm. the numbers precisely. But, yeah, it's about 60%. Yeah, that's crazy. That's why I'm not I'm not planning to live in Sydney in my late 20s. No. I'm not going to buy a house here for a bit. I'm going to go to, like, uh, Ukraine maybe. Maybe <laughs> yeah. go to Kenya for a bit. Go to China for a bit. Get a nine-nine-year lease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the fun thing about this is you've got the inflated housing prices and the inflated land prices. Mm. And then you have to pay stamp duty and land tax. Yeah. On top yeah. of it. And so it's like, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty crazy. And then also in your report, you talk about how, like, 
it's the consumption taxes that also break your balls. Like if yes. you're a smoker, for example, you pay like an average of five grand a year in tax. Um, alcohol, for example, I was looking at this, so I was interested. I had some friends come over from New Zealand last weekend and they were like, man, it's crazy how much beer costs here. I'm like, yeah, but how much does it cost for you? And they're like, yeah, well, if you get a six pack in Australia, it's like 25 bucks. But if you get it in New Zealand, it's like 12 to 15. And I wrote some, I wrote some statistics down for the people at home. Cause I know we have a, a strong beer drinking audience, or at least I would guess. And it said that, um, here, here, look at this. Um, oh, I missed the, uh, I missed, I missed the right, give me one second right here. Okay, listen to this. So a typical case of beer in Australia sells for $52 and $22 of that is in tax. Australians pay 17 times more beer tax than the Germans. That's bullshit. Surely we didn't beat them World War II to pay 20 times more fucking tax on our beer. And then we got 15 times more than Spain, seven times more than US, six times more than Canada and double that of New Zealand. And then that's just for beer. For liquor tax, you have the third highest in the world with 57% of retail value is, is tax. And they're busting our nuts out here. I mean, what's the young man's... This is why Sydney nightlife sucks, ladies and gentlemen. Sydney nightlife is fucking shit. Sorry, Grandma. Um, but it's because everything's so expensive and then you have to get like a $100 Uber at, at the end of the night to go up the street. It's like... Wait, can you, can you, I'm going to give you the mic. Can you talk about the, the consumption yes. taxes? This is probably one of my favorites. Uh, well, favorites, least favorites. Um, I care a lot about alcohol tax because mm. I, I like my gin and tonics. Mm. And <laughs> it's about 39% of the value, like of the price you're paying for a gin and tonic is alcohol tax. Mm. Then you also have to pay GST. Mm. So then it's 49%. So half mm. of every single spirit that you're drinking is going to the government just mm. crazy mm. um across the board it's about 20 percent um if you average out all alcohols right um and that's because wine is quite a bit less and wine is taxed in an entirely different way than yeah. beer and spirits wine is taxed according to the value of it um so the wine lobby has done very well in australia mm. uh, <laughs> yeah congratulations to the wine lobby we might <laughs> give them some free advertising next time yeah yeah they're doing all right they, they figured it out um my theory is politicians just like their nice wine tours well we know barry o'farrell did i don't know if you're in australia for that he was the new south wales premier who had to resign because he got a gift of like a thousand dollar bottle of wine from someone mm. and that was like five years ago maybe and he was forced to resign yikes rip Oops. <laughs> I pay my man, Barry. And then the last consumption tax I wanted to talk to you about, or potentially lack of consumption tax, is on drugs. Now, yes. I'm. you made an interesting point. I believe it was you made the interesting point that, like, Australia spends over, like, $1,000 a year. Oh, sorry, a billion dollars a year on policing drugs. And, like, 65% of that goes towards cannabis policing. Um, hitting up innocent people like myself, young, smart, <laughs> up-and-comers. Yes. Um, now, what what do we what do we do about cannabis in particular, and then and then other drugs to so make it like a, a thing so people don't get arrested for the victimless crime, but then a way that will make it palatable for the government. Yeah, so I think it is a legalizing tax, but you have to be so careful about that. Mm. Uh, I think I made the mistake of investing in corporate cannabis when it was legalized in um, the um, U.S. or in Washington State, my home state. It's like, mm. yes, I'm going to make so much money. Cannabis mm. is legal. Everybody wants their weed. Mm. And then they just smash the weed industry with taxes. And there was already a happy, thriving black market. Right. 
So why would they then give up such a percentage of their profits mm. to the government when they still got customers, they've still got clients, they still doing their thing, there's just less risk. Mm. So I think if the government does want to tax weed, they can't just automatically drop like a 65% tax on it. They've got about 65% tax on cigarettes. They can't just do that and yeah. expect um, there to be a legal weed industry. You have to let that industry grow up. Um, Mm. So my ideal world is just GST, mm. GST on cigarettes, GST on weed, GST on, uh, on alcohol. Stop trying to manipulate people's decisions. Mm. Let people be adults um, mm. and make their own consumption oh. choices. Mm. Believe it or not, like I can choose how much alcohol I should drink. Mm. I don't need the government to bankrupt me for drinking too much. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like an Australian thing to like have a beer, but I don't... You know, that might just be the government wanting wanting you to get your alcohol tax. Like, I had, when Greg Hunt was putting that thing into banned vapes coming from overseas, we made a video on that, and I called up Greg's, Greg Hunt's office, and I was like, I asked him, is this because, I was like, can I talk to Greg? They're like, no, he's not here. I was like, damn, all right, I'll talk to you then. And um, so then I was like, so is, is this about, um, you know, protecting cigarette tax revenue? Because, you know, the young kids aren't on cigarettes anymore. Like, no, it's like a health thing, but is, like, I think you said in one of your articles that vapes are healthier um, than cigarettes. Like, it's, uh, is, is vape, how, how, what do we do about vapes? Because you're not, these are illegal. These are yes. illegal. Come get me, please. Yes. Well, vaping is legal, but not vaping with nicotine, mm. I think is what it is. But you're not going to go around testing people's vapes for nicotine. Um, <laughs> and you can't sell them in Australia. Yeah. This whole or you can sell them. I, I forget all of the laws around it. I'm not the head of. I'm not as focused on this campaign. But yeah, you can't sell the nicotine products. You can't sell vape juices with nicotine in it. You have to mix it yourself. You have to order the nicotine from overseas and all of this drama. Um, yeah. Or you could just like buy them at your local. I'm not going to drop the name of a shop. There's a nice blue shop that always sells them. Yes, there's those nice places. Um, yeah. There are legal vape shops that sell vapes legally and sell the liquids separately and I feel bad for do them. the whole shenanigans. I feel bad for them. <laughs> There's these nice other shops that are like, here, have your disposable vape. Yeah. Uh, mm. Which, terrible for the environment and all other things. But, you know, mm. vaping is so much healthier for, the, for you. Um, there have been no deaths from legal vaping products. All the deaths have been from illegal vaping products or like some sort of like mismanagement. So you shouldn't be vaping um, cannabis, sorry. Um, because it's an oil and you're not supposed to try to evaporate oils into your lungs. I had that one time happen to me when I was at a bar and a friend gave me the vape and I took like <laughs> this huge drag. I'm like, I don't feel any nicotine in this. Like, what is wrong with it? And I took like the biggest drag of all time. My friend's looking at me, not stopping me. And I got so high in this bar, totally by accident. And it feels weird <laughs> when you're out and you're high. Like, it feels very weird. Anyway, it's a side story. Sorry, Grandma. Um, not my <laughs> fault. But... You're not supposed to have weed vapes. No, you got to be careful the weed vapes um, because like vape liquid and nicotine vape liquid is water soluble and so you can evaporate it and so it doesn't cause things like the popcorn lung. And they find it's like this thing called vitamin E acetate in right. weed vapes that's causing the problems. Right. And it's a, lo it's a lower risk than cigarettes even. Mm. So even weed vapes are healthier than cigarettes, but don't, don't, mm. don't vape weed, uh, bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in general, it's 95% healthier, safer for you than, mm. um, than cigarettes. And number one cause of preventable death in the world is cigarette smoking, um, tobacco related illness. Number two is um, weight related illness. 
Mm. And my theory is if you're smoking chocolate pudding, you're not eating chocolate pudding. Mm. Um, so I think that there's, there should be more research done on all of the benefits of vaping just to get, to get rid of bad habits. Mm. It's not the worst habit to have really. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I agree. It can be expensive sometimes as well, but there's some nice suppliers out there cutting down the cost. Like there's, there's ones you can get from New Zealand, which are like 1500 puffs for like 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, like, it's a nice growing market out there. We actually, I don't know if they, they can come get me if they want. We sold them for a while. We imported them from China for a bit, sold them. We were doing like, you know how rappers like throw up money and shit like that? Yeah. We, we were doing that with some of the cash, but we almost got in trouble. So we had we had to stop doing that. But Yeah, I mean, we tried to give vapes to all the MPs and then we discovered that that would get us in trouble. Really? Yeah, we wanted to give all the, like, all the MPs vapes and be like, Greg Hunt says you can't have this. Yeah, that's <laughs> hilarious. But then, well, Greg Hunt said we Well, you know that's that. how... Penthouse initially became famous in the, uh, I think it was the UK where Guccione, who's the founder, he started it, right? So I don't even, I think Playboy was just out like in America, but it might not have been out in Britain. But anyway, his marketing strategy when he started Penthouse was he just mailed them to the house of every single politician and in like the 60s and they all got super outraged and they all like talked about it in parliament, how bad it was. And he just sold they so many. still doing that? Because I remember when I was a congressional intern, Every, I don't know. Yeah, every um, every month we get a copy of Penthouse, consistently, and it was just like, well, like it was like whichever intern wanted it could take it home because the congresswoman was definitely. That's pretty funny. Not the Penthouse type. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine it's not good for the public image. No. no. But this is actually quite a nice magazine. You like it? Have you ever seen it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've read a, a few articles in it. Um, I'm mm. sorry, I'm not a subscriber. Uh, mm. I, I need to mm. fix that. I'll, I'll, I'll get on it. But yeah, no, I've read quite a few of the articles online, and I love the artwork. Yeah, they're good, huh? They're pretty good. You can get, you can go subscribe to that. It's like fifty bucks a year. But you know what the best thing is about subscription? Actually, is that it's you, like fifty bucks a year. Yeah, you, it was. It's, well, it's quarterly. Okay. And so you get four, but then you also get. Um, because you know how I was telling you, I got this gin because advertisers didn't want to pay cash. So they give them free alcohol. Nice. There's another advertiser in there called, I think, Charles and Lee. And what they do is they do like special man care uh, stuff. So like face scrubs and things like that. I love it. And so they have like this package, which is like valued at like 50 bucks a year or 70 bucks a year that you get for free when you get a subscription to the mag. So you buy the mag subscription for 50 bucks and you get a free like 50 buck man care package or something like buy this for your man to allow female <laughs> listeners like you want to fix him up real nice like yeah make like, sure he's tidy everywhere make sure he's tidy everywhere <laughs> he's looking nice he doesn't get any of these little i got some breakouts because i haven't been using it but now yeah, no, i assume it'd be like 200 bucks it's such a nice magazine yeah, it is a really nice magazine. <laughs> like, my friends all got subscriptions when I showed them. Like, they're like, it's not actually, like, they thought it was a funny thing at the start. And like, oh, Penthouse yeah. magazine. And like, it's actually really nice. Yeah. Yeah, mm. it's a good magazine. All right. Now, the last segment before our, uh, before our um, what do you call it, our Bad Mail of the Week segment here on, on Patreon is we had a Q&A. So I asked um, our Instagram followers what tax related questions they got for a for a tax expert and we had uh, a couple um the first one let me pull this up it's hard to use instagram for old people like me okay a few questions first from be free with jim lee our friend jim lee he says what's the best way to make money and not get taxed in australia 
<laughs> How can you avoid tax? Oh, I would say um, pull a Netflix and offshore. Um, mm. <laughs> pay your tax in the Netherlands. Mm. <laughs> I am not a financial advisor, so I'm not supposed to be get. I can't give real like tax advice. I'm not an accountant. Um, I look at it more from the policy perspective. No, we definitely can. Uh, our, the motto of this show is we have no idea what we're doing and we're going to give advice on a whole lot of topics we don't know about. That's yep. basically the point of this my, show. My other recommendation would just um, live in a hole. Um, do not drink. Do mm. not smoke. Do not gamble. Do not drive. Do not own a house. Mm. Um, also, don't work. Mm. That would be, I would say that is the best way to avoid tax in Australia. Mm. Mm. Okay. That's, you know what? That's, that's pretty fair. Um, second question is from, uh, one of Fiona's old flames. Her name's Maddie, <laughs> big fan of the show. Uh, she, you know, she went to one of the, they both went to one of these art schools. They didn't have the best education. Um, but she asked, what is tax? So for someone who went to an art school, can you just outline what tax is? What is tax? Um, I could use this like standard libertarian chant. Mm. It is theft. Uh, I mean, the aim of tax, uh, there's a lot of different philosophies on like, what is tax? What is tax for? Um, my idea would be taxes to fund the government and to fund certain services that are important for a functioning government, like a judicial system, like an army, like roads, all of these things that we value. Um, I think the tax should go to that. Um, but a lot of times tax is used and is a tool of policymakers to try to shift our behavior into a way that they prefer. Mm. So, um, mm. yeah, it's like, it's like the cigarette tax. They don't want us to smoke. Like that has an externality on society. We've got to stop people from smoking because then they'll get sick and we know better. The government knows best. Mm. And so we're going to stop you from smoking. And another um, of the ways people see tax is like an equalizer. Mm. Uh, so they try to tax people at higher incomes more and tax people at lower incomes less. That rarely works because people at higher incomes can and do figure out how to avoid taxes effectively. Mm. Um, Maybe not always offshoring to the Netherlands, but the companies do you that. Go to the Bahamas occasionally. Bahamas. You can take a world trip. But I mean. there are lots of legal loopholes that you can manage to get around. Um, mm. And wealthy people do do that. Mm. Um, so I don't want to keep my money. Get stuck. Mm. Okay, another question. This is a hot question from my brother Alex. He asks, why do women pay less tax than men overall? Oh, that's actually a great question. Um, I like that one. Uh, it's because women work fewer years uh, in general. On, on average, women do take more time off for childbirth and child rearing. Mm. And as a result, they're paying less income tax over that period. Mm. They're still paying just as much tax in other areas, so they're paying just as much GST. They're going to be paying just as much other mm. forms of tax. But because they're working fewer years, then there's that there's that gap. They're not paying income tax over that time. Mm. Um, same goes with superannuation, where women tend to have almost $100,000 less in their superannuation funds on average. Right. because they're not working for those years. Mm. Mm. Very interesting. Now, last question is, uh, are you going to be at the Roosters game this weekend? The Roosters game? Do you ever follow rugby league? No. Sorry. I, now, league. now everyone's going to hate me. They have like the, uh, I don't know what type of like uh, derogatory like feminine word I'm allowed to use and not get cancelled. I was I want to say pussy rugby. They have in America. <laughs> but I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say it's like rugby Australia. Australian rugby is much more tough, I have to say, but you haven't had much experience. No, I, I'm more of an F1 fan. You like F1? My, I, oh, so many people my age just started getting into F1, and I have no idea why. But There's actually a reason for that. Um, why? It's Netflix. Netflix started it. Uh, Drive to Survive on Netflix. Right. I got into it because... 
Callan started getting into it, my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, quick shout out to Callan. Yeah, quick shout out to Callan. Uh, he originally got, got me into race car driving, race cars, cars going around. I was like, it's just like NASCAR. People just go around in circles really fast. It's so boring. But um, I'm very much enjoying uh, the F1. And then there's Drive to Survive on Netflix, mm. which is like the behind the scenes of F1. Mm. So I think that's probably why people are getting involved. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's like very European, I think. Very European. Yeah. Um, okay, well, the last thing I wanted to ask you in the general interview segment is like, you had, you wrote like a five piece of advice for Australian policymakers for like upcoming tax. And that might, I don't, my gut feeling is that's related to the budget, which is coming out like next Tuesday. Um, now we got a whole lot of debt and it's so much money that I don't, you know, you can't, you can't even think about that much money. Um, but I want to ask you, what do we, what do we want from the budget or what do you want from the budget? What would you think make Australia a better place? Like, and if you could talk about the debt a little bit and make it like understandable for yeah, spastics like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally. Um, yeah perfect world, the budget that I'm not going to get would be tax cuts, um, less spending, uh, especially less spending on specific interest groups. Mm. A lot of times the government likes to take out specific groups and try to make them happy and give them mm. money. It's like, oh, we've got women's issues. We're going to give... Oh, yeah, like gender reassignment surgery in Pakistan. Yeah, exactly. All this random stuff that doesn't need to be there. So I would love to see slashing of useless policies, mm. um, slashing of bureaucracy. We've hired so many um, public servants in mm. <laughs> the last year to combat COVID. A lot of people who service Australia, I think it was like 5,000 extra staff members. I would love to see us cut back and start firing people mm. and send them back into the real world to actually provide value to society. Mm. Um, and then with all that money we have saved to then increase the tax threshold. Um, so my ideal like income tax would start at 39,000 because 39,000 is approximately the minimum wage, mm. what a full-time minimum wage worker is. If the minimum wage isn't a living wage, then why are we taxing them so much? Mm. So I would love to see it start there and then go up um, at a much slower rate because right now our brackets hit like very average salaries, very normal salaries, mm. very high tax rates. 32.5% is a very high income tax rate. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And talk to me about the debt. Like, do you, do you deal much with the debt in your in your like analysis? Yeah. Um, prob- sorry, I missed that part of the question. Um, it's okay. Yeah, I think that in the states that that is more of an issue than it is here in Australia, obviously. Mm. Um, and they just keep there's this idea that we can just keep borrowing money and we can just bring money out of thin air, mm. and the government can spend it and it essentially makes money. Mm. And then if the go- economy starts to heat up and we get inflation as um, as more money is pumped into the economy, the dollar becomes worth less, essentially. Mm. There's more dollars going around. Um, they're not as scarce of a resource. And so there's the possibility and threat of inflation. And then the idea is that the government can then just tax that away mm. and fix the problem. Uh, not the greatest policy. That money does have to get paid back. Um, Australia does not have the kind of credit that the U.S. does in the sense that no one's basing their currencies off of the Australian dollar. Mm. <laughs> um, so we really can't get away with just making up money that money does have to get paid back at some point mm. and we have to, it gets paid back with interest and so that's charged on the taxpayers and so as time goes on we're getting less mm. less less bang for our taxpayer buck essentially because mm. i have heard the argument made from some people that like with interest rates so low it's good for the government to be borrowing like it's almost like free money like is that real or not 
it's less dangerous right now, um, but there's a threat that interest rates could increase. And um, the government is controlling the interest rate to keep it down, keep it low. Um, and that is saving the money from ha the government from having to um, pay back at really high interest rates. But interest rates mm. aren't going to stay low forever. Mm. It does have to get paid back at some point. At some point, interest rates are going to go back up. And we're going to want interest rates to go back up because when interest rates are up, it means that the economy is doing better. Um, mm. People are lending out money. We want people to lend money to start like enterprises, allowing people to buy houses, allowing people to um, start their businesses. That requires um, people to lend their money. Mm. Well, I, would, I did want to ask you about the U.S. debt in the sense that, like, I guess one of the main conservative or, like, libertarian criticisms of Trump is, in particular, like, him blowing out the debt. Um, and a lot of people would have hoped that he would have paid a lot of that off. Um, he did do some significant tax reform, but was, I guess, unable to use that to, like, pay off the debt. Was, like, do you think, like, cutting taxes first and paying off debt later is, like, a viable thing? Or do you think, like you have to couple the two together. I think you have to cut, if you cut taxes, you have to cut spending. Mm. I think, I am. I was very unhappy with a lot of Trump's policies, even his, I mean, I loved the fact that they were getting tax cuts. I loved like Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, great idea. Um, but then he turns around and issues a bunch of tariffs mm. and tariffs operate just like a sales tax. Mm. It's a tax on goods essentially. And so the price of like the cost of doing business in the US rose and so essentially that was a tax increase mm. so he's undermined the good he's done by cutting taxes on businesses by increasing the price of goods mm. um through tariffs and so it kind of just counterbalanced itself and he just cranked up the debt um and instead of paying for that instead of cutting things that we didn't need uh, mm. he just kept spending and i think that's a terrible policy Mm. Uh, I think it's very dangerous, um, particularly with the foreign uh, policy situation in the United States. Mm. Uh, the U.S. can get away with it because the world currencies base themselves off of the U.S. dollar. And mm. that's been the case since Bretton Woods. And so all of our currencies are based on the dollar. And if the dollar goes up, then like basically, yeah. So like we measure by the dollar, essentially. Mm. If that weren't the case, mm. then the U.S. would have to pay that money back. And the value of the dollar would plummet. And the people in the U.S. would um, not be in a great situation. Mm. <laughs> and so I think that uh, it was very unwise of Trump. I think that's one of the biggest issues that we have in the United States right now is the high levels of debt. Mm. Mm. Well, we are, generally speaking, big fans of Trump on the show, but we welcome the criticism. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Big man, you got to come back in 2024 and fix that shit up. That's, that's what you got to do. Um, okay, so that's going to bring us to the end of this interview. Um, we are going to record the beta mail of the week segment in just one second. And if you want to find out why LeBron James and a couple of other betas are getting a nomination, then go check out our Patreon. You can support the channel. It's helping us buy some new cameras and, and lights. Um, we just bought the new the new audio equipment. Uh, so that's fantastic. Um, make sure to get on our Instagram and uh, comment on the YouTube if you want to win that penthouse magazine, baby. Um, what else, Fiona? Any, any, any other housekeeping? Check out our Facebook. Um, we're going to... Oh, we got a few, last housekeeping thing is... Emily, where can people uh, follow you? Do you use, like, do you have a public public page really yeah um so i have my website emilydie.com where i post all of the stuff that i've been writing um as well as like all of my interviews go up on there and you can also follow me on twitter i'm mm. very active on twitter um mm. i do have a facebook page it exists I occasionally check in on it somewhere in the dark um, of the but, uh, but i'm sorry zuckerberg i don't mm. like you <laughs> um not a fan of facebook mm. i i find it frustrating i find 
um, the censorship and the algorithm on Facebook incredibly frustrating. Mm. So Twitter is where it's at for me. Yeah, well, we will cut this up. We'll throw some of it on Twitter. Um, and uh, we'll put all the links to Emily's social media in the description. So make sure to follow her, Australian Taxpayers Alliance. What else do you want to plug? You want to plug Yeah, that I also have to plug, um, or not, not have to, I should plug um, this paper was not done just by the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. It was uh, in collaboration with the Liberal Democrat Party. Mm. Um, so definitely want to give them a plug. Um, yeah, for I'm sponsoring happy to give them a plug. I feel like I probably should have done it anyway. I'm actually a paying member of those boys. Um, they're good boys down there, aren't they? Good yeah, they're boys good. And they do girls. Good boys and girls. Yes, it's not all a boys club. Mm. It's not all boys club, but they could use an extra couple females if I'm allowed to take a dig. <laughs> um, okay, so thank you. That's all for this interview. Um, about to wrap up, do our beta mail of the week segment. So jump on a Patreon if you want to listen to that. Thank you very much. This is Dual Cameron checking out. Thank you very much, Emily. Cool. Thank you.